She's passionate about the truth of God's word and will tell you like it is. Autumn Miles is best-selling author of three books, popular speaker, CEO, wife of 17 years, and mom of four kids, and not to mention, everybody's best friend. With fresh biblical insight, she dares you to step out in raw faith. Hey, 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 guys. It's your girl, Autumn Miles, back with you for our last and final. Can you believe we've done five? We're going to about, about to finish five weeks on the mind. Can you believe it? We are in the final home stretch of this series on the mind. After the break, we are going to talk about guilt and shame. <laughs> it's going to be so good because what we're going to do is we are going to kick guilt and shame's butt after the break, okay? It's going to be good. I've got lots of, of Bible passages to back up what I say. I'm just a narrator into the scripture, okay? I ain't trying to whatever. You listen to what the scripture says. You will walk away in freedom today if you live by the scriptures we're going to talk about after the break. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I struggled with guilt and shame for a long time, years until God said, why aren't you agreeing with me about what I say? You're agreeing with your feelings. So anyway, I'm already trying to preach on that. We're going to uh, move to what's going on in my life. So here's the deal. So much is going on. <laughs> we actually had to like comb through uh, the different stories I could tell today. I mean, our family is just, we're just everywhere and, and we're everything. There's so much happening in a lot of our lives. Okay. All six of us have stuff going on and, and that's how I wanted it. Eddie and I did not want a normal life. I did not want that. I wanted a life that was full, that was active. It was kind of weird where people looked at us and they were like, why are they doing that? Or, you know, why don't they rest? Or, wow, they're they're really living outside the box. That's what we wanted and that's what, what we got. But I will tell you, it's been so busy. And I hit this pretty hard, you guys, because it's it's because it's a thing. My husband and I get away regularly together alone totally alone. Okay. With me and him and that's it. Okay. We did it again this week. We got away for my birthday, for my 41st birthday. He said, Autumn, what do you want? Uh, you're 41. This is kind of like a, you know, big deal. My husband literally spoils me to death, but I said, I just want time away with you. That's what I want. I want, I want that. We treasure these little two day, three day weekends, sometimes 24 hours, sometimes two hours on a Sunday. Sunday is just happening to be our date night normally. And so he took me away. We went to Disney World because we love it there. And we were going to be there for, I think, four days and come back on the fourth day. But he said, I really want to come back one day early. Is that okay? And I said, of course, our son Jude is 13 and he is awesome at playing football. And my husband is so supportive. He's the guy in the stands. You would think it was me. 
but he's the guy in the stands that gets up and like yells really loud at every play, every call. If there's a bad call by the ref, I mean, he's like letting them know that it's a bad call. A lot of times he'll stand up and do it and I have to tug on his shirt to have him sit back down to regain control of his emotions. Okay. Now I'm like that too, but he is on another level with my 13 year old son. Like I'm crazy, but he is extra crazy when it comes to these eighth grade games with our, our 13 year old son. So he said, Hey, Autumn, can, is there any way that we can come back one day early? And our son had just gotten stitches out because he actually injured himself in the last football game. He had to get stitches because some freak accident with a helmet. Anyways, he wanted to be there. And I said, hundred percent, let's fly back early. So we did. We flew back early. We land. My husband goes straight to the game. I think we land at like three and the game is at like 630. And in Dallas, you just never know what's going to happen with traffic. So he drives straight to the game, you know, gets him some dinner on the way there. He's got Moses with us because Moses is also obsessed with Jude um, playing. He calls me. I'm on the way. I had to pick up the other two kids on the way to the game. And he's like, the clouds are getting really dark. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. We get to the game. It started lightning. If you know anything about football, you, you, especially kids football, you can't play. It, they stop everything. And after every lightning strike that is visible, you have to wait 30 minutes to play, which is a good rule. I support that rule 100%. But we had flown back early <laughs> uh, to see him play. So we were really wanting the lightning to stop. So we, I, I, got, I got to the game and I wasn't there five minutes. And on the loudspeaker, the announcer guy, who, by the way, I would love to do that job. I think they have the funnest job ever. The announcer man came on and he said, unfortunately, we are not going to be playing these games tonight. We are going to cancel them due to weather. Now it wasn't raining, but it was lightning and you could tell. And of course, we certainly don't want any of the boys getting struck by lightning. So we get in the car, we drive home. I'm trying to like keep myself together. My husband and I flew back an entire night early, you know, to go to my son's game or whatever. And I wake up this morning. I talk to my parents just about every Friday on the phone just to be like, Hey, how are you? You know, how was your week? Whatever. And they always want an update on, on the kids. And I said, you wouldn't believe, you won't believe what happened last night. We flew back early to see Jude's game and it was canceled. And I was like, it was such a waste. We should have stayed. If we would have known it would have been canceled. Of course we would have, we would have stayed on our mommy daddy trip. And my dad, who says often five words of genius, he said, Autumn, that might have been the most important game he never played. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> you know, he said he might not have played that night, last night, but he said he will never, ever, ever forget you and Eddie prioritizing him so much that you changed your trip to come back to see him. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, that is so 
such a great perspective <laughs> because he never will forget. And when I, I was traveling for work all the time for several years, every week, and we would, I would constantly like get off, hop off a plane and go to the, to, go to a game, go to a practice, go to a recital, go to a concert. We always have prioritized being present at my children's things, no matter if we're exhausted. And my dad just reminded me of the fact that that was probably one of the most important moves we have ever made in parenting Jude. So just to let you guys know, when it comes to parenting, those little things matter. They matter. And even though your son or your daughter may never tell you, hey, mom, thank you for canceling your trip. I know you were having fun to come see my game. They may not even express to you. They might be too young to thank you. It matters. And he will never forget that. So that's what's going on in my life. After the break, we are going to hit guilt and shame so hard. It's going to be awesome. Okay, I'll see you after the break. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Are you looking for a passionate speaker for your next conference, church function, or fundraiser? Autumn Miles is the right fit for you. As the founder of the Autumn Miles Ministry, a live event ministry, Autumn has not only spoken at events around the country, she has planned and directed them. Autumn is a survivor of domestic abuse, and she is passionate about educating the church on how to effectively assist victims. Her message of hope and healing has been shared on the big stage internationally. Autumn is devoted to spiritually challenging people to draw closer to God. She is a passionate advocate for the word of God, women, domestic violence victims, and adoption. To find out how you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement, go to autumnmiles.com. Once you're there, just search the top of the index for the Invite Autumn tab, Click on it and scroll down for more information. Once again, that's autumnmiles.com. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, it's your girl back from the break. Let's fight this guilt and shame. Are you guys ready to do this? Let's fight it because here's what I know. Guilt and shame are so persuasive, so persuasive. They are the mind trap that can literally keep you incarcerated in your mind for your entire life. Guilt, feeling guilty about something that you did or feeling shameful about something that you did, it can manipulate every decision that you make until you die if you do not confront it. Okay. Now there's different levels that we all struggle with. Sometimes we, and there's different types of shame and there's different types of guilt that we struggle with. Me for a long time, especially when I was traveling every single week for several years, I struggled with mom guilt a lot. Now, now my kids were perfectly taken care of. We, we, it was, it was like a thing. Like we were, we were a well-oiled machine, (laughs) But I still struggled with the fact that, oh my goodness, I'm not dropping my kids off at school because I have a job that just happens to take me all over the country. So I can't be there every single day to drop them off at school. Okay. Now their dad was always there, but I wasn't. I struggled with mom guilt forever. Did, did I say that right to my child? 
the other kids are getting a hundred percent organic food. And, you know, I put, I put a little Debbie in my kid's lunchbox, you know, what are they going to think? Are they going to, are they going to ridicule me as a mom? Are they going to ridicule my kids because we eat ice cream and it's good. You know, so, so we have all sorts of different guilts and all sorts of different shame that we struggle with. I don't think I need to go into the definition of them. If you struggle with any one of them, I'm about to give you so many truths from the mouth of God that I want you to take. I want you to internalize. And I want, I, I, we prayed, I prayed specifically before we went on air today that we would be able to break down and break through some cycles of guilt and shame that you guys might be facing today. Okay. When I got divorced and kicked out of my church and you guys all know the story, I talk about it very, very, very often. I struggled so much with guilt. The church ended up splitting. It was like, it was awful. My dad ended up getting fired, but at the hands of the same people that kicked me out. So it was awesome. (laughs) But I always struggled with the fact that my dad had to leave a job that, you know, was, was security for him and my mom uh, because of my divorce. I struggled with the fact that, you know, the church split because of my divorce. Some people were supportive of it and not a lot of people were supportive of it, but a lot of people weren't. I struggled with what that did to the community because my dad was such a leader in the community. And I I carried that for so many years and I didn't realize how much it was tanking my life. I would think about it on a regular basis. What if I would have done something different? Or if I would have done something different, all this wouldn't have happened. Guilt and shame followed me for a while until the Lord got a hold of my heart. Okay. What the Lord said to me was, are you going, is this how you want to live? Is this how you want to live for the rest of your life? Do you want to constantly be looking back? Or do you want to look forward to what I'm going to do? Because the guilt that you are dealing with is not from me. And what I want, if you get nothing else out of everything that I'm going to say in the next 20 minutes or so, guilt is not from God. Shame is not from God. It is an evil, satanic characteristic that keeps us in bondage. Guilt, let me say it again, is not from God. Shame is not from God. And you can't show me one scripture that backs up that it is. And yet we wear these two feelings, emotions, whatever you want to say, as cloaks that are heavy and we wear them throughout our whole lives and we give ourselves our own consequences because we think we have to pay again and again and again for things that we have done. And Jesus paid it for us. That's the beauty of it. You can't, you cannot, you need to stop living your life based on how you feel. I'm going to talk to you like a mama today because I am a mama. You can't, you cannot 
from this day forward, live your life based on how you feel, especially in these two areas. Because it's not truth. It's not truth. I want you at the end of this, and our first passage is going to be in Romans today. I want you to walk away from listening to this freed. I want you to walk away from this entire series, hopefully in finding freedom from people pleasing or from, you know, being mad all the time or from fear or from anxiety. I want you to walk away free. I want you to start new. If you have to listen to these again and again and again, just to get some of these biblical examples in your head, great, do it. You need to do it. Do, do you, people stay defeated because victory takes work. It takes work for you to get out of something that took years to create. So people just stay defeated their whole lives, okay? I don't want you to do that. If you are in Christ, you are a new creation. That's what the word of God tells us. And if you are a believer, God has a special word for you, okay? It doesn't matter how you feel. Guilt and shame are believable. You need to start trusting more in guilt and shame and trusting in what the word said. In Romans 8, 1, it says, says this. This is straight. Paul wrote this in Romans. It's a verse that there is, that is quoted so many times in, in the word of God. I mean, in the Christian culture and we quote it, but we don't live it. I really feel a call, especially in the last six months or so. A lot of us quote things, but we don't live them. And you're like, oh, I already know that. Really? Well, your life doesn't reflect the fact that you actually have internalized what you're saying with your mouth. So I, I want you to walk this verse out. I want you to live it. I want you to breathe it. I want you to internalize this truth. This needs to replace feelings of guilt and shame. Romans 8.1 says this, therefore, there is now no condemnation. No condemning for all those who are in Christ Jesus. That's it. That's it. There is no condemnation. There is no condemning for those that are in Christ Jesus. And I, 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 want, to, I want to make this really, really clear and say it right up in the mic. There is none. You know what no means in the Greek? <laughs> none. No, it means no, no, there is zero, none, no condemnation, none for those that are in Christ Jesus, none. So if you are living with guilt, shame, condemnation, why? Because this passage clearly tells us there is none. Now, this verse doesn't seem right, okay? This is a verse that you could read, there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Well, you don't know what I did last year. You don't know what I did five years ago. You don't know what I did when nobody was looking. You don't know what I did, blah, 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 blah. It doesn't seem right. As a matter of fact, when, because we are human, we feel like we should feel condemned 
because of something that we've done, because of some place that we've been or some relationship that we've been involved in or, or, or you know, we didn't act right, we didn't say things right or, or, or whatever it is. This verse contradicts our human nature. We feel like we should be condemned. We know what we did, we shouldn't do. We feel like we should be condemned. It would honestly feel better if we were condemned <laughs> because it's like, yeah, I needed to pay for that. That was, yeah, like I, I needed to pay for what I did wrong. When I went through my divorce, I condemned myself over and over and over and over and over again. Even a little condemnation will feel, would feel better to us than no condemnation. Because we feel like we've earned the condemnation. And guess what? We have earned the condemnation. But somebody paid it for you. Somebody. Jesus Christ, the son of the living God, paid for that sin on the cross for you. So he took the guilt and shame for that sin that that you committed on himself. So we actually do earn it, but someone else was condemned for us. Therefore, Romans 8.1, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. God says none. None. So today, if you are living with some, it's not from God. Because Jesus Christ paid for your sin and took the guilt and the shame and all of it upon him when he died on the cross for you. So therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. If you're living with some, it's too much. If you're living with a little, it's too much. Because God says, no, if you cannot believe that you're not condemned by God, agree with Romans 8.1. Remember what we said a couple weeks ago? If you can't believe, agree with God until your agreement becomes belief and your belief becomes a lifestyle. It's a small choice towards faith. If you can't believe it, simply agree. I wonder if God gets frustrated with us. I'm sure he doesn't. But if I was God, (laughs) I would. I wonder if God gets frustrated with us at how much we don't understand this concept. The very reason for the cross was to take away our sin, guilt, shame, condemnation. And rather than allowing Jesus to take that from us, we actually carry it ourselves. I wonder if God gets frustrated. Be interesting to ask him when we get in heaven. Clearly he gives us grace and mercy. But that's the whole reason why he sent his son Jesus for us. We don't understand exactly how much God actually means this. There is no, none, no condemnation 
for those that are in Christ Jesus. God does not condemn. Now, I want to take you to someone who does condemn. And we're going to go straight to um, Revelation 12. And I want to show you this verse. Now, you've probably heard it uh, quoted a gajillion times, but I'm going to show you where this verse is found. Revelation 12, 10 says this, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. He who accuses them before God day and night. I'm going to read that again. Verse 10. Then I, Revelation 12, verse 10. Then I heard a voice in heaven saying, now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority, ooh, I'm getting chills just reading it. And the authority of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down. Clearly Satan is defeated in this moment. He who accuses them before our God day and night. Who is this verse referencing? This verse is referencing Satan himself. This is what his job is. His job is to accuse you before God day and night. His title here is the accuser of the brethren. He accuses you and accuses you and accuses you day in and day out. He goes before God day and night, and that is exactly what he's doing. And the scriptures back this up in multiple different places, okay? That is what his role, uh, that is what Satan does. That is his, that is his role, to accuse us, okay? He goes and he tries to convince God, uh, clearly he can't, but he tries to convince God that we should pay for what we have done, okay? That is his role. Now, if he's doing that before God day and night, what do you think all the, the demons are doing? They are putting thoughts in our head in order to make us believe that we should pay to keep us in a perpetual state of bondage when it comes to guilt, shame, and condemnation. And honestly, we did earn it. But guess what? Jesus Christ paid it for us. Satan wants to keep you broken in this area forever. Forever. And if he does do that, He's one in this area of your life, okay? On one hand, God is saying to us, there's no condemnation. On the other hand, we have the enemy trying to get us to focus on the accusations to distract us from starting new. Do you see the parallel, guys? Which one are you listening to? Think about this for a minute. Odds are, if you struggle with guilt, shame, and condemnation, you are believing the accuser. Everything the accuser throws at you, you can combat with what Romans says. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. I, I told you earlier that I struggled with this a lot, and I literally had to pick up Romans 8.1 and actually start living what it said because I was so tired of being captivated by my own guilt, shame, and condemnation, okay? One of the minor prophets, Zachariah, 
gives us a view of the throne room. It is one of my most favorite passages in scripture, especially when it comes to guilt and shame and accusation and condemnation. And I'm going to read it for you and it's going to be awesome. And you are going to be super, super blessed for it. This is a picture of the throne room that we just read in uh, Revelation 12, 10. This is exactly what Satan does. Okay. Uh, Zechariah 3 says this. Now I'm going to talk about Joshua. This is not Joshua, son of none. This is Joshua, the high priest, totally different guy. This is not the guy that, that led the nation into the promised land. This is not him. Okay. It's somebody totally different because I know someone will have that question. Then he showed me Zechariah 3. Joshua, the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. So Joshua is standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan was standing at his right hand to accuse him. So this is a picture of the throne room of heaven. There's God. Joshua is standing in front of God and Satan is standing to the right to accuse Joshua, the high priest. Listen to what happens. It's about to get crazy. The Lord said to Satan, Zechariah 3, 2, the Lord rebuke. You are going to break free because of this passage of scripture. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a brand plucked from the fire? I want, now this is what God says to Satan. Satan is there and he is like having his way with Joshua, the high priest, by the way, who's probably about as clean as you can get this side of heaven. But Satan is accusing him. Did you, do you know what he did, Lord? Do you know when he did? Do you know what he thought? Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know his intention here? Do you know his motive here? And the Lord he does not position himself to look at Joshua and say, oh, the accuser of the brethren is right. You're right, Satan. He did do that. Who did God and the throne room of heaven rebuke? He rebuked Satan. The Lord rebuke you, Satan. Indeed, the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. His rebuke was not at Joshua. His rebuke was at the enemy. I want you to just think about that for just a second. All these accusations and things that are making you feel guilty and everything in your mind, it's paid. It's paid in full by the blood of Jesus Christ himself. So when Satan does come into the throne room to accuse you, God himself is not rebuking you. He's rebuking him. If we could internalize this, we would drop that guilt and shame so fast and we would move on into a new way of thinking. I got to go on because this is so good. Now Joshua, who was the high priest, was clothed with filthy garments and standing before the angel. He spoke and said to those who were standing before him, saying, remove, listen, remove 
the filthy garments from him. God spoke. And this is what he said about Joshua. He's wearing filthy garments, like disgustingly dirty garments. Remove the filthy garments from him. And he said to him, See, I have taken your iniquity away and will clothe you with feastal robes, which are the robes that they used to wear wear whenever they were celebrating. Okay. Then I said, let them put a clean turban on his head so that they put a clean turban on his head and clothed him with garments while the angel of the Lord was standing by. And the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua saying, thus says the Lord, if you will walk in my ways and if you will perform my service, then you will also govern my house and also have charge of my courts. And I will grant you free access among these who are standing there. The Lord looked at the situation. Joshua in front of him, Satan to the right. He did not listen to Satan. Rather, he looked at Satan and he said, I know you're trying to accuse him, but the Lord rebuke you. He turned his attention back to Joshua, who was wearing filthy rags. And he said, okay, Joshua, we're going to clean you up. And he commanded them to bring him completely new turban on his head, completely new robes, the feastal robes, and he cleaned him up. This is a picture of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. Satan is right there to accuse us every single time, but the Lord is in the throne room saying, rebuke you, rebuke you, Satan. Nope, clean this guy up. The blood of Jesus Christ has paid for every single sin he has ever committed. That is how good our God is. And that is why you cannot continue to wear the mantle, the cloak of guilt and shame any longer. God wants to give you a clean feastal robe. Who did God rebuke? The enemy. I'm going to take another couple minutes because I want to talk about quickly. I want to talk about when people condemn you. And I think this is important. And people put, put condemnation on you that God never would. Sometimes Satan does it and sometimes he uses people to do it. Okay. And it's believable. A lot of times it's believable because you're like, oh yeah, I did do that. But I want to show you this passage of scripture, probably in a way you've never seen it before. And I hope this will encourage you. Okay. John 8, 3 is talking about the adulterous woman. And I, I want you to listen with fresh ears on this. John 8, 3 says this. Now the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman caught in the very act of adultery. After placing her in the center of the courtyard, verse four says this, they said to him, teacher, this woman has been caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What then do you say? Now this next verse is never, ever talked about. But this is exactly what Satan did to Joshua in the throne room of heaven. Now they were saying this to test Jesus so that they may have grounds for accusing Jesus. But Jesus stooped down with his finger and wrote on the ground. When they persisted in asking, 
he straightened up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, oh, Jesus is a genius. He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Now, when they had heard this, they began leaving one by one, beginning with the older ones. And he was left alone. And the woman where she was in the center of the courtyard and straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord, there is no condemnation. And Jesus said, I do not condemn you either. This is a picture of what Paul wrote about in Romans 8.1. If you are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. He goes on and he says, go. From now on, do not sin any longer. Now, this verse, this passage of scripture looks like it's like a woman. It's about a woman caught in the midst of adultery. And it is. That's what they used for a scenario to try to accuse Jesus of wrongdoing. Let me go back to the text, John 8, 3, verse 6. Now they were saying this to test him so that they might have grounds for accusing him. Now they were saying this, hey, Jesus, what are you going to do? In the law of Moses, we're supposed to stone this woman because she was caught in the very act of adultery. It's not about the adultery. This is about trying to catch Jesus in something that they could accuse him and get him in trouble for. Ultimately, you know, killed for. This whole story is about them trying to accuse Jesus. I find it really, really interesting that Satan uses people to do his work all the time. Jesus answered them, and when he answered them, um, he answered them with, you know, basically saying, listen, if you haven't sinned, go ahead and cast your first stone. He didn't actually even answer the question, which is so amazing about Jesus. He made a statement. The statement was so powerful that they all left. They didn't catch him, so they couldn't accuse him. And sometimes Satan uses people in our lives to put thoughts in our head, to accuse us, to make us think that we are less than, that we, we need to be, you know, feel guilty about something or, or feel like we are, we need to be condemned of something. But every time there is someone in your life where they are trying to accuse you, make you feel guilty, catch you in something. I want you to remember Romans 8, 1, and it's summed up beautifully in John 8, 10. And straightening up, Jesus said to her, woman, where are they? Did no one condemn you? She said, no one, Lord. And he said, I don't condemn you either. Go from now on and don't sin any longer. They wanted to catch Jesus so they could have grounds to accuse him. It wasn't about this woman. 
It was about what they could find to accuse Jesus, just like Satan was doing to Joshua, the high priest in Zechariah. Jesus paid, guys, on the cross for everything you've done and everything you'll ever do. Wearing condemnation or guilt or shame one day longer is not actually receiving a piece of your inheritance in Christ Jesus. I want you guys to walk in the new. Walk in the new. I want you guys to walk in freedom in this area of your life. And I want you to understand that God wants you to drop these chains in your mind. And you may not believe God, (laughs) but we can all agree with God until our agreement becomes belief and our uh, belief ultimately becomes faith. I hope this helped you guys today. I don't know how you could listen to this and still be full of guilt and shame. I hope this resonated with you today. Um, That's why I did this series on the mind, because we have got to learn that our mind is our greatest asset, but it can also be our greatest enemy. So I hope this whole series ministered to you. I love that you came on this journey with me. So many of you guys have listened, streamed, downloaded the whole thing. And man, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. There is hope. There is hope for you. And his name is Jesus. I'm going to come back after the break with a question from one of you, and then we're going to pray it out. All right. I'll see you in a sec. We'll be back with more from Autumn right after this. Does it seem like God is answering everyone's prayers but yours? Do you want to see results from your prayer life? Do you feel as if you are a professional Christian with an amateur prayer life? If so, Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer, is for you. Autumn Miles wrote Gangster Prayer because she herself experienced disappointment from years of praying with little results. Gangster Prayer will show you how to unlearn bad habits in prayer and build your prayer life on a foundation of faith and not doubt. Get your copy of Gangster Prayer today at autumnmiles.com or anywhere books are sold. Be sure to follow Autumn on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. And now back to the Autumn Miles Show. Here's your host, Autumn Miles. Okay, guys, we're back. Let's take a breather. That feels good. Okay. Uh, Here is my question. This comes from Shelby. Hey, Shelby. How are you, my dear? This is a good one. (laughs) One of the things, this is the question. One of the things I feel most guilty about is a habit I just can't seem to break. It makes me feel shameful and I don't want to continue in this behavior. How do I stop? Now, this is an excellent question. And Shelby, thank you for the courage for asking this question because I feel like there's probably a lot of people that have a question just like this. I got a habit that I can't seem to break or I fell off the wagon or I like, you know, whatever it is. I'm going to tell you very clearly, if you don't feel like you can break a habit, you probably need to bring in some reinforcements, okay? I am a huge, and I mean major huge, fan of biblical counseling. I'm a major fan of that, 
okay? My parents, both of my parents are biblical counselors, okay? I actually almost went to school, went back to school to get my degree in biblical counseling. I would suggest Shelby. Now, this is going to be a step of faith for you. If you can't seem to break this on your own, you need someone that knows the Bible, that can hold you accountable, that you that that can put you on a path to stop this. So I would recommend getting a biblical counselor in your area to give you the tools that you need in order to find freedom. Because I understand that sometimes you need reinforcements. Sometimes you need someone to speak into your life face to face and you need to say, I'm struggling with this and I need help. Okay. That is what, how I would answer this question. I also want to tell you this. A lot of people in my life have struggled with a habit that they can't seem to break. A lot of people in my life have found freedom from the habit that had them incarcerated for years. So Shelby, there is 100% hope for you, but I would suggest you finding a biblical counselor. If that's too much for you, go to your pastor at your church and ask him or a pastor at your church and ask them for a biblical counselor in your area that they use as a resource. A lot of people don't know most pastors or churches have a list of counselors that they refer work to. Okay. That's probably where I would start with you unless you just, you just kind of want to wing it, which I don't really recommend. Go get a recommendation from, from your pastor at your church of where you could find a good biblical counselor, make an appointment and go. Okay. Shelby, that's how I would answer that question because we all need reinforcement sometimes. My goodness, I've been in counseling. My husband's been in counseling. We've been in counseling together. It's like counseling is a part of our life. I hate it when people are like, feel like it's a shameful thing. It's a element of strength when you can say, I need help in this area. I need to call in some reinforcements. That's what they're trained to do. And my parents have seen so many people find freedom as a result of their ministry in that. Guys, I want to pray us out. We're going to ask the Lord to seal this entire series. Lord, we thank you. Oh God, we thank you. I thank you for every single person that has logged on. I thank you for every single person that is taking these words about the mind to heart. I thank you for every single person that has found freedom. And Lord, most importantly, we thank you for you. We thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord, that we can go to you. We are safe. We are saved. We are comforted. We thank you that your word is true. We thank you, God, that you are constant in an ever-changing, crazy world. We thank you that you are constant. Father God, give those that are listening the strength to make the right next steps when it comes to their freedom. And God, we ask you humbly to continue your hand of favor and blessing on this podcast, on our team, as we forge forward to make your name great. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll see you next week. I love y'all. Have an awesome week. Thanks for listening to this edition of The Autumn Miles Show. 
To find out more, go to autumnmiles.com. There, you can book Autumn for your next speaking engagement. Her inspiring message will be sure to engage and touch the heart of your audience at your next conference, church event, or business function. While you're online, you can find out how to order Autumn's latest book, Gangster Prayer. Our prayer is that this book will lead you to an intentional and passionate prayer life that is in sync with the heart of God. Go to autumnmiles.com to order your copy today. As we close, remember that you can follow Autumn on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Just search for Autumn Miles in your internet browser. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Be sure to join us next time for another edition of the Autumn Miles Show. Let's <laughs> go.